0: This is City Post Church. We're about three things. Build, equip, and send. All under the lordship of Jesus Christ. A small church plant in Fort Worth, Texas. Who decided to do things a little differently. Adoramos a Jesucristo. I love City Post because of the people. It's where I belong. We truly preach the word. I love City Post because of the community we've been able to build. To do ministry like Jesus. For light to push back darkness. This is City Post Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, you have your Bibles. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let all the kids go for it. Let me pray for us before we uh, dive into this. Father, we love you and we thank you because you are a faithful God, you're a good God. And Lord, I pray that you speak to us this morning through your word. Father, um, life just feels so busy right now. So Lord, I pray that just for a moment in time, we're able to focus on what you uh, wanna talk to us about, what you wanna share with us through your word. So Father, I pray that you just be with us, Lord, and I pray that you um, speak to us this morning. In your name we pray all these things, amen. Amen. I should have prayed for the Cowboys because they won last week. I'm just saying, right? (laughs) Right? It's personal. Anyway, all right, so. (laughs) It's like everybody's saying that now. All all these pastors are having sermons called It's Personal. Um, So (laughs) as we dive into this, you know, we know that we exist to know God. We know we exist not just to know him but to make him known. We, we also exist to enjoy God. Like our joy in knowing Jesus, our joy in knowing the Lord is, is found in a true relationship with him. So if a lot of us are like, well, Ricky, I don't know my purpose yet. Well, we can start here. Our purpose is to know him and make him known. And we know that in Jesus, all things are made, all things are created, all things are established and all things are sustained in him. We are to rejoice in the Lord and we are meant to pursue intimacy with God, our father. And there you truly will find joy. Now, if we had an enemy, which we do, I think that our enemy does not usually come at us straightforward, trying to convince us that that is false. Like, he's not going to convince you that a relationship with God is false. There's really not a lot of convincing that there is joy in Christ and that we should be obedient to him. But the way the enemy works is like, yes, be obedient to what Jesus called you, but you better make sure it's perfect because the one time you screw that up, he's going to be mad at you. And then we start walking in life with this fear that like, man, I'm I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to do. But I'm so scared of screwing things up. And, And what that does, it starts to build anxiety inside of us. Also, something that ends up happening a lot of the times is as you're serving and as you're obedient, you'll start feeling like, you know what, don't mess up, but also make sure you get your flowers, too. Make sure that that people praise you. Make sure that you you get the credit that you deserve because you're the one that prepares the sermons, not everybody else. So people better talk about you. People better, like, lift your name up. People better, like, say, give you your props. People better tell you that you are the man and that you have the skill set that nobody else has in the entire church. And it's because of you that Sunday is working. And many of us fall into that line, many of us fall into that trap, and what that does is that it takes the focus off of who we're supposed to serve, and it internalizes it, and now we're looking within ourselves. And here's the thing, when you start looking inside of you to do something you were never meant to carry, the weight is too heavy, and we start to freak out a little bit. And we see that in obedience, and that's how we end up getting pushed away from our faith, and that's how we end up, like, hating the church. And for many of us, your issue is not with God. It's with the church. But because you have an issue with the church, it's creeped into your issue with God. You see how the enemy works? And a lot of us in our lives, we we tend to pull that same thing So instead of focusing on what God has for us right now in life, we start thinking about the hypothetical and the what ifs. So we start thinking like, man, I got to make sure I'm good with school. And and, and we start filling our mind with things that we feel like we have to do. So we start feeling like, well, I got to go to school. I got to do good. I got to make the dean's list or I'll lose my scholarship. I lose my scholarship. My parents are going to hate me. And if my parents hate me, then I'm going to get kicked out of the house. And you know how expensive rent is in Fort Worth right now? Like, man, it's weird, and I'm an awkward person, so there's no way I could get a roommate. So I'm going to have to make like 1200 a month for rent, and it's just going to be harder. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to get a girlfriend, right? And then I, I'm in a relationship now, and man, life got crazy, and it's, more exp- it's, it's expensive. And how's she going to love me if my car looks like junk? So I need a better car, right? And then we start piling all these stuff, all, all this stuff in our life, and it worries us. And it's starting to make a mess in our life, and we're trying to hold it all together without it spilling over. So it's like, man, I got it. And then uh, I want to marry her. So how do I marry her? I don't know. I can't afford a ring. How am I going to explain that? My, like, I don't get enough money. So we got to make sure we get married, and then when we get married, I got to, we can't have kids in an apartment. We got to get a house, right? Because who does that? I don't know, 80% of the world, but not in the United States, right? So now you're you're freaking out about, oh, I want to have a family, but I can't afford a house right now because the economy is crazy, and I don't make enough money. I should have bought a house in 2008, but I was seven years old, right? <laughs> and then I had all this stuff, and we're starting to pile it all up in our lives, and then my kids got to go to a, a better school, so I got to move to the burbs, and then in the burbs, they'll go to a better school, so they get a better education, and they have a good education, they get a better job, and they have a better job, so that way they don't live the way that I lived growing up, because I I want them to do awesome in excel. And, and so you're piling all this stuff in your life. And instead of releasing it, we are suppressing it. So we're living life and we're trying to hold on to dear life without making a mess. And, 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 and listen, guys, this is not the way God intended us to live. And the problem is, is that we are so preoccupied with the, the hypothetical that we're missing the here and now. Remember a few weeks ago, Jesus said, man, just live one day at a time. Like stop thinking about tomorrow, focus on today. And God never intended us to live this way. And what the enemy does is that the enemy piles all these things, all these thoughts, like how am I going, how am I going, how am I going? And then I'm thinking, that's the problem. You're using the word I too much. It's not how am I going to, it's Lord, what is it that you want me to do and I'll follow it. That's the difference. So when we look at life and we become obsessed with the hypothetical instead of focusing on the here and now, it ends up building all this anxiety inside of us. And you know what I realized? That our main problem are not our problems. Our main problem is the anxiety of our problems. We start thinking about what's coming in a way that we cannot control. You're like, man, Ricky, how am I gonna pay rent? I don't know. It's doing two weeks, but I'm looking at the bank account right now. I was like, but think about now. We have to start learning about thinking about right now, and and what we're going to read with Paul is that Paul's like, listen, you could either have anxiety of the world or you could have intimacy with me. Which one do you want to do? And we keep reading this. It's about our trust in Christ. The stronger we have trust in Christ, the lower our worry goes. And our anxiety of many things is causing us to miss out on the main thing and it's causing us not to really push into and walk into what God has truly called us to. Also, it's not just about missing what God has for us, but it's also anxiety. I read this and anxiety is the condition of the heart that brings out many sinful states in our mind. So if you have anxiety about your grades, it's going to cause you to lead to be dishonest. You're going to try cheating. You're going to try finding shortcuts. If I have anxiety about my schedule, it's going to lead me to break commitments. If I have anxiety about dating, it's going to lead me to compromise. Theres some of us here that, like, instead of, like, cutting what God has said, we will run right back to that same puke because we're anxious. We have anxiety about our finances. That's going to lead us to make unethical decisions. We have anxiety about being liked. So when you start embellishing stories, and you act really weird and awkward at parties. You start talking over people. You start cutting people off. You start being that one-upper because we're anxious. And anxiety for many of us will lead us to find comfort and refuge in our addictions. We run to places. And what Jesus says is, that, like in Matthew 11, he says, no, like you guys do not be anxious because that's what the pagans do. The pagans worry about that stuff. But you trust in me. And I'm just gonna be really honest. The world is not impressed when we sing and when we talk about the Prince of Peace, but our lives are in total chaos. We just sang, we could sing, Christ is our cornerstone, but your life looks like an earthquake just hit it, (laughs) your foundation is shaky but Jesus is our cornerstone, right? Jesus don't, his his foundation's not shaking. The world is watching us, and we've got to get a hold of it. You know, the word anxiety, um, the way it's defined in Scripture, means that you are being pulled in many different directions. So think about it. I, I can't focus on one thing because I'm caught up in everything, and I'm trying to control everything. And what many of us do, remember last week we talked about, like, corporate chit-chat? Well, there's also something called Christianese. We have church chit-chat as well. So as you're trying to hold on for dear life with everything that's happening to you, people ask, like, how is it going? You're like, man, everything is great, man. We're, like, blessed and highly favored. (laughs) God is good all the time and all the time. Y'all know the saying. Come on. (laughs) Y'all speak Christianese too, right? Right? And then as we continue to try to hold life together, and it's making a mess, and everybody's asking, how's it going? You're like, man, I had my quiet time this morning. It was wonderful. Like a, like a, a, dove, like a dove came down and sat on my window <laughs> as I was drinking coffee. I was like, boy, you know, your life is a mess. <laughs> and y'all post pictures, and it looks wonderful. And you're, like, posting pictures of you praying with people. And it looks great, but really on the inside, you're like this, trying to figure out life. And your life is a mess right now. And what we're going to look at is that Paul gives us a road map out of anxiety. He gives us a way to escape it. He gives us a way to, like, fight it. And, and my prayer today is that we implement God's word in our lives because it, it, it's so, so beneficial to our lives. So look where, how he begins in verse 4 and 5. We're going to do two verses at a time. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Paul kicks it off. He's like, man, you should rejoice in the Lord always. And then he throws it again. He's like, and again, I say rejoice. You know, Jesus would do this. He, he would Whenever he would say things twice or three times, he's like, man, this, there's a really important thing I want you to know. And what Paul is saying, he's like, man, when you are feeling anxious, when you are feeling like bothered, when you are feeling weighted, you rejoice in the Lord always. But again, I'm going to say it again. You should rejoice. Why do we rejoice? Look at verse five. And then it says, let your gentleness be evident to all for the Lord is near. So if I'm a believer in Christ and I'm rejoicing in the Lord, gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. We should be gentle with people. We should be patient, loving. But then I love what he says is the Lord is near. See what we got to understand is that the presence of God is our terms for celebration. Man, when God is present, we should, like there's something in our spirit that should be so excited about meeting with the living God, getting in the environment of his spirit that we are thrilled to be there. Psalms 119, 151 says, The Lord encompasses all believers with his presence. The presence of the Lord is worth rejoicing in. It's worth celebrating in. That's why, like, there's sometimes, man, like, it, that's why I love worship, because there's sometimes where I just got to throw my hands up. And I was like, man, I, I can't sing. I'm like Stephen, <laughs> right? If we were in a singing group, would we be phony, phony, phony? I mean, like, we, I, like, I, I want to yell. I want to sing. I want to rejoice in him. And there's it, it, because there's a, the presence of God is here, but also we all have this This act of worship in our heart, we were all meant to worship, and you're going to worship something. You know, this last Wednesday, um, I had the privilege to go watch Pearl Jam perform. Yes, took John, bucket list item, it was phenomenal. Um, Somebody tell these young guys who Pearl Jam is. Oh, (laughs) greatest band ever. But you know what I noticed as I was sitting this this row with John, there was a family of four, and... um, the son and the, and, and the father and the son. I could tell they were like together. The father and the son. I mean, these were like offensive linemen. There were some big old boys. Like tall, like, like big. Um, and then they had like, I guess it was the wife and the sister. They were like offensive linemen. No, I'm joking. Um, but it was like the, the father and the son. So they're all there and they are sitting down the whole entire show. But when even flow started... I mean, they, they got up. I know some of you are like, Ricky, I don't even know what you're talking about. Just, just Google. It's a great song. Even flow starts going, right? And, and Eddie Vedder is like, right? And then, I mean, they get up from their seats. They're like hugging each other. They have their hands raised. They're like, yeah. They don't care who's around them. They don't care who's behind them. I'm like trying to, like, I can't see. I'm short, right? This is like six something, like big old curtains. And I cannot see, but they don't care. Because there was something about that moment in time, there was something about that song that they connected with. And they were having their hands up. And I'm just here thinking like, man, this is what's the difference between what they're doing and what we do at church? Because we do the same thing. We sing, we lift our hands. What's the person? The thing is that we worship a king who's alive. It's not just about a band. It's not just about a song. It's about the person that we give our worship to, and he is worthy of us rejoicing about him. So we rejoice in the Lord. Now, from there, he's about to go into verse 6 and 7 where we talk about anxiety. So we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, show gentleness to people. Why? Because the Lord is near. His presence is near to us. His presence is with us. So don't be anxious about anything. It's kind of a difficult verse, verse 6. So what the scriptures are telling, what, God, what, what Paul is telling us, he's like, listen, we are not supposed to be anxious about nothing. Yeah, Ricky, but what if, like, my trauma, what if, like, something happens? You're not supposed to be anxious about nothing. But the problem is that we're human beings. And before I continue, I, I want you to know that God is not here to shame you and neither am I actually God is inviting you in to say man let let me help you with this but because we are human we're still in our sinful nature we all struggle with anxiety the good news is is that we have a way out which is wonderful so what does Paul say do not stru- do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition and think- with thanksgiving Present your requests to God. You see, we're not supposed to worry or fret, right? That indicates in the life of a believer a lack of God's wisdom, sovereignty, and power. We start kind of, our our faith is weak. It's not that we don't have faith. It's just a weaker faith. We saw that a few weeks ago. So we are not to be anxious in anything, but the antidote that Paul is going to give us for anxiety are two things. Delighting in the Lord and meditating on his word. That's the antidote. So when I feel anxious about anything in everything, look at the difference. What he's saying here. He's saying don't be anxious in anything or nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition. So. There's got to be an exchange when it comes to our anxiety. Now, what the world tells us, you hear things of mindfulness. You'll hear things of, man, you just need to go and clear your mind. The problem with clearing your mind is that it returns. And sometimes it returns tenfold. So it'll go away for a little bit, but then it just it comes back. Right. So, I mean, it's literally like you're just like, let me clear my mind that come from? And it's still there. But what God is saying is like, no, when you are anxious about something, you are to exchange it for something. So there's an exchange that happens. And he says it right here. He's like, don't be anxious for anything. So think about the things that make you anxious. Think about the things that worry you. Think about the things that drive your nerves, like that bring you fear. Some of us are going through some anxious um, situations and moments like right now. But he says through prayer and petition. So all of that stuff. So why does he say prayer and petition? Prayer is communication with God. So I am to take the things that I'm anxious of, and I am to pray to God for it. And, you, and, and the reason why we pray is that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are the child of God. We are able to go to him and call him Abba, Father. So you need to talk to your father. You need to say something. And then he doesn't just say pray, but he says in petition, which is another word of supplication, which means you need to tell your father what is truly bothering you. You need to be honest with him. You need to be truthful. You need to be detailed. So it's not like, Lord, I'm just struggling in life right now. God, you know my heart. Thank you. Amen. No, that's a cop out. What God is saying, he's like, no, he's like, you pray, and as you pray, your details, say, Lord, I have this presentation today. I am freaking out right now, and Lord, I just need your help. I need your help. I'm scared. Lord, like, man, Lord, there's, there's this trouble in my family. Man, my uncle's in jail right now. I have no idea I'm going to get him out. God, like, I have this this big project at work. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Lord, I have to go speak in front of 200 people right now, and and I can't stop shaking. Lord, help me right now. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay the water bill this month. I don't know how to pay the electricity bill this month because it's been so dang hot, super high. And as you start lifting them up to God and you start being honest with him, then look what it says next. It says, so it says, but in everything, situ- every situation, in prayer and petition, but then it says, in th- with thanksgiving. All right, so these, this, is an, a, this is not nonlinear, right? Like, look what it says. You got to follow this thing with thanksgiving. You know what I noticed? I was like, man, what, thanksgiving, like what? You know, a pe- if, you, if you really want to, like, get people hype, talk about restaurants, you know, when I have somebody come up to me and they're like, hey, Ricky, I'm new to Fort Worth. Do you know any good places to eat? I know some of you guys have experienced this, too. What happens? Usually in a group, what happens? Oh, my God. What are you looking for, bro? I got you. Man, I got And then you start listing off, like, 15 restaurants. Boom, 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 right? Like, you get excited about it. So if somebody comes up to me like, man, dude, I really want a good steak. Do you know any places besides Monica's house that I get a good steak? Right? <laughs> then I'll step in and I'm like, hold on guys, I got this. Right? And, and like we do this. And like, what's your budget like? <laughs> Are you balling on a budget? We go to Roadhouse. If you have a little bit of money to give, we go to Saltgrass. But if you're like balling, like if you want to celebrate, we'll go to Papa's Brothers in Dallas. Like, like, that's the real deal right there. That's the, so they're like, ah, Ricky, we got a little something. You know, it's OK. Saltgrass it is. And then you start talking about the food in that restaurant. You're like, dude, the steak is so good. They put this dab of butter on top of it. The marbleization of the steak is fantastic. And then you bite it, and it, like, melts in your mouth. Oh, and hold on. Don't get me started on the sides. All right? So you're like, the baked potato, and then the, man, the rice pilaf. It looks so basic, but it's like an explosion in my mouth. of flavor... Like, it's incredible. Oh, and then the salad. Bro, they put this out. They put a cold plate, not a hot plate. It's a cold plate with like a pound of cheese and bacon on it. And then you put any dressing you want. And then they bring you this bread. Now, it looks a little weird. It's brown. But then you have like honey butter that you can just drip all over it. Oh, and then the waiters are trained to make sure that your drink does not get watered down. They come and they're like, I mean, you could drink half a Coke. And they're like, let me get you a fresh one. And you're like, fine. I mean, it's wonderful. So what am I doing? I am talking about the experience that I had at that location. Right? Like there's a, there's a sort of a thankfulness in me that I got to experience the food and the environment and the service here. And what we need to do is have, keep that same energy That when we pray to God and when we're anxious about things, we're like, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm nervous about this. Lord, I have a lot of anxiety about this relationship. I have a lot of anxiety about my finances. And then you start with the thanksgiving. But God, I know that you did this before and you will do it again. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're true. I know that I've run to you in the past and you have clothed me with your strength, God. God, I know that when I went to India last year, I didn't know how I was going to get there. And for somehow it all came through and you made it happen. So, Lord, I know that whatever I'm struggling with, you're going to do it again and again and again. And I know you're faithful. You see how that works? And as I am lifting up my petitions to him and as I'm exchanging my anxiety to him and I'm telling him how great he is and I'm giving thanksgiving to him, what ends up happening is it just starts falling off me and it goes back into him. So, like, Lord, I know, God, I know you have a plan for my life. Lord, I know that you fixed it before. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to stay faithful to you. God, your word says that you have a plan for me and you have a future for me. God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the great provider. So what I'm doing is I am giving thanksgiving. I am living my life in thanksgiving to God. I love the passage Isaiah 43, 26. It says that God commands you to remind him of his promises. So as I'm praying, I'm not just praying. I'm not just unloading on him. I'm also reminding him of his faithfulness and who he is. And as I, be, as I begin to remind him of who he is, things just start kind of, it's, it's a weird feeling because my anxiety starts to feel a little bit lesser on my life because now I'm putting it into a place that could hold it. God is the only one strong enough that could hold it. He doesn't just hold it, but he exchanges it for something so as I'm anxious I have to learn to give thanksgiving to him I got to give gratitude you know I love this because before some of you guys smash on me and be like well Ricky like prayer that's the solution to anxiety just pray well well let me ask you when you were anxious how are your coping mechanisms going how are the things that you're using in your life how, how's that treating you How's that addiction going for you? You know, I remember in 2016, I had a, a pretty intense job at the same time. I was trying to pastor at a church that was really just difficult. And I remember looking at a picture of myself, man, I mean, I, I was at a size 41 waist. And I remember somebody had made a comment about that, and they're like, "Man, what are you eating?" And I was like, "My feelings." <laughs> we tend to food, we tend to alcohol. A lot of us tend to our phones. Like, how is it like just being on your phone for four hours a day doing nothing or watching TV? A lot of us, whenever we feel anxious and whenever we feel burdened and whenever we feel worried, we go to everything else except the scripture. And what God is saying is that, listen, those things, there's a way that I created you for. You are to pray. Tell me what's bothering you. And then remind me of my greatness and all the things that have happened in our life. And then look what it says. And then it says, present your request to God. So you are to lift it back to him. And as you lift things back to him, he starts to unload it. Now, what does he do? What, what's the outcome of this? Look at verse 7. The outcome is, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, As we have anxiety in our life and we present it to God, when you do that, he exchanges it for what? Peace. Huh. What do you know? Peace. And not just any peace. This is what I love about this. Look at verse 7. It's peace which transcends all understanding. Listen, you can't study this. There's no pill for this. There's no amount of training for this. This is only peace that God can give you. There's nothing you could do to deserve it. That's why God is so incredible. There's only peace that God can give you. There's a type of peace where people look at your life and like, man, what's wrong with that dude? How come he's not freaking out? Like the world's falling apart and the homeboy has a smile. How? Because it's a peace that transcends all understanding. It doesn't shake me. The peace of God that he gives you, you cannot earn it. He gives it to you. It's hard to understand. And then look what it does. This this is so cool. So he gives you peace, right, instead of anxiety. And it's a peace that transcends all understanding. People look at your life like, man, what's up with that, guy? This is crazy. It's like, man, I'm at peace. But then look what it says in verse 7. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You just don't get peace. You know what it does? It serves as a bouncer. So you have this incredible peace. You have the Holy Spirit in you that's standing at the door of your heart and your mind like this, just waiting for somebody to come through. Now, I don't know about some of you guys, but there's certain locations in Fort Worth that you need to be a certain age to get into. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all were born saved? Okay, fine. All right, so... There's certain places that require you to be 21 to get in, and there's certain places that don't. So what these institutions or what these uh, places do is that they hire a bouncer, and the bouncer stays at the foot of the door. And as the bouncer is at the door, what they hire him and they train him to do is to make sure that the wrong people do not get inside. Now, the wrong person will try to show up, and they'll try to do a few things. They'll try to say, hey, my dad owns something, so you should let me in. And what does that bouncer do? No. Then the second time they come in, they might try to bribe him. They might flip a $100 bill, maybe a couple 20s. I don't know how I know this. I'm just saying, right? And then the bouncer is like, no, you still can't come in. But then the third one is that they try to get in with looking like something that they're not. And they do that with a fake ID. So they show up. They're like, sir, this is totally me. And what these bouncers do is that they identify that this person is fake. They identify the ID. They are trained to know what is real and what is not. And they're like, sorry, I cannot let you in here. You need to go. Because this establishment is required for you to be 21, and you're only 19. I'm sorry. And then if you want to fight the guy, he's also trained To put you in a chokehold and choke you out and then call the police. You see, what the Holy Spirit does with the peace of Christ is that he is at the door of your heart and of your mind. And he stands there and anxiety will show up in your life as something that it's not. And I just want to say this just because it's good doesn't mean it's from God. So for many of us, anxiety will show up dressed up as a new job or a pay raise. It might show up as more money. It might show up as a better situation. It looks wonderful on the outside. But then you have the Holy Spirit that says, no, no, no. This is not good. You don't belong in here. And the Holy Spirit pushes it out. How do we know what belongs and how do we know what doesn't belong? Well, you have conviction and you have alignment. So when you feel a conviction in your heart, you know that that's the Holy Spirit nudging you. But then you have to ask yourself, does this align with what God has purposed me for? So I'm so glad you're in a new relationship. Congratulations. Everyone is like, yeah, you're finally not single. Yeah, but does she love Jesus like you? That's not alignment for what God has for your life. Is she created to to, like for the purpose that God created you for? You know, I tell people all the time, like, I remember, like, I, I loved youth ministry. God would never align me with someone who hates teenagers. Like if Rachel hated teenagers, that would never happen. There's no way. So like. We have to think about conviction and alignment in our lives when things come our way that seem way too good to be true. And the Holy Spirit's like, hold on a second. This does not belong here. And we have to act on that. So the Holy Spirit of God is guarding our hearts. He's guarding our minds when this stuff comes about. And so we should thank him over and over again. And the problem is when you start letting things in that don't belong there, your anxiety skyrockets. Because you're trying to do things without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to start pouring down on you. It's going to start pushing down on you. i right, got to move. So, so look at verse 8. So what Paul does is that he gives us a way. This is how you handle anxiety. There's are things that you should do. Prayer, petition through thanksgiving. And then that's going to guard your life. But then he tells you how do you keep Going as anxiety battles you. How do we keep moving so that way we kind of continue to leave it out? So we took care of the problem, we prayed, we thank God, God gave us His peace for it. How do we, what do we keep doing? What what should we do next? He gives us those next steps in verse eight and nine. Look at verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what he's doing is like he's telling you, I've given you my peace, but also understand that you need to continually fill your heart and your mind with these things in verse 8. You know, a lot of us want to continue to live our lives doing whatever we want to. And then we want Jesus to come in and bail us out. But you need to understand that sin and sinful nature has consequences. So if you allow your, your mind to be filled with all of these things that are detrimental, that are evil, that are spiritual, that the things that you watch, the things that you hear, if the person you're listening to drops F-bombs every three sentences, that is not admirable. That's not filling your life with certain things. And what he's saying is like, man, you, so what, what is admirable? What is noble? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What are all these things? What is praiseworthy? You start with God's word. Because if you don't start with God's word, it's not going to trickle up. It's going to trickle down. So we want it to trickle up. So we want the foundation to be truth. So whenever the foundation is truth, everything will be able to be built on that truth. But if, if we save God's word to the last thing, then we're going to try to fill our minds with all of these like self-help books. It's, God's word is going to crumble on top of it all and it's going to come crashing down. So we got to build our foundation. What's the foundation? Everything true, everything noble, everything right, everything pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Everything is found in the word of God. That's 2 Timothy 2.25. It's found in Christ. It's found in the Holy Spirit and in God's word. So our focus needs to be number one. It has to be the truth of God's word. You got to get a hold of it. You got to put it in your life. You know, I was reading some statistics and they were saying that the average christian in the united states opens god's words only twice a week they open their bible only two times a week and some of you are like well Ricky i got the app so <laughs> well no that too you open it twice a week so what we know is that it's not an access problem we have bibles we have apps you want a bible come tell me i'll get you one we don't have an access problem with god's word we have a prioritizing problem. Our priorities are off because we go to this, the last. we got to be in God's word. And then he tells us, he's like, we got to fill our lives with this stuff. you got to think about such things. A lot of it has to do with your mind. So if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling, think about the stuff that you're filling your mind with. Another crazy statistic is that the average American spends three to four hours a day on their cell phones. And our way out is, well, Ricky, I don't even post anything. So that don't even mean me. Well, just because you don't post anything doesn't mean that you're not consuming. So you're still consuming. You're still on your phone, whether it's for work, whether it's social media, whether it's video games. You're still on your phone for hours and hours and hours. But yet you're in God's word only like twice a week. So there's there's a little bit of a mismanagement here. In our lives. So we've got to learn how to grasp God's word. We have to grab his truth and we've got to start believing in it. And then we have to listen and we have to learn it. We have to listen and we have to learn it. Last week, we talked about Jesus. He says, Learn from me, don't just learn me. So as I have God's truth, as I have it more accessible in my life, like kind of what Stephen said, like, I listen to it. I listen to people talk about it. I listen to songs that sing about it. Everything is around God's word. These are the things I should be filling my life with, and I need to be intentional about it. Man, like, the Christian life is not defensive. It's offensive. Don't wait for your life to fall apart. Fight. That's why God says he's giving you a sword. A sword is not a weapon of defense. That's what a shield's for. I'm trying to cut you up with a sword. So with the sword, you got to fight. You got to push forward. So you grab his truth, but then you got to listen and you got to learn it. That's what he's saying. He's like, man, think about such things. That means put it in your mind. That means you, you learn it. It's like, man, like a cow that like chews grass and then he regurgitates and chews it some more. And he does that like four or five other times. We should do that with God's word. Use it. Chew it. Learn it. Put it in your mind. These things are good. And then the last thing is that we got to engage with it. You got to engage with God's word. Look at verse 9. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into what? Do it. You got to do it. So reading it, awesome. Listening, learning it, great. What are you doing? What's your life look like? You know, this is the great fault, man, when it comes to um, higher education. There's a saying that says, those who don't do, teach. We've got to put it into practice. You know, that's why when we fall into some of these silly arguments in the Christian world, you remember I talked about Christianese, you know, I was at a pastor's conference last Monday and Tuesday. And some of the stuff that people choose to talk about is kind of silly in my, my eyes. And they're talking about stuff that they're struggling with, with their members, with, with their families. And I'm just here thinking, like, yeah, but, like, who are you discipling? What are you all doing out in the community? How are you living? So I'm, I'm so glad that you could read Tozer. And I'm so glad that you... You know, all of these big wigs and the MacArthur's and and I'm so glad you're reformed. But are you tithing? Are you discipling people? Are you loving people? How's your hospitality? Like all these Christian disciplines, man, if, if you don't do them, it's worth nothing. So what he says, like, man, whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen, put that into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is also one of those. Linear things. So it's not just about grabbing his words. It's not just about reading it. It's not just about listening. You must do it. That's the hard part. Anybody could fake it till they make it. But if you truly want to know God and know his peace, you will walk it out in obedience. That means you're going to actually do what it says. That's how you really know peace. And what's crazy is that in walking in obedience to God, there's some things you want to talk about anxiety, plant a church. You want to talk about worry and fear. But you see, I, I got the antidote. So it's like, man, Lord, I'm, I'm freaking out right now. I have no, I have no idea anybody going to show up today. I don't know how we're going to pay this month. Man, I don't know. And, and I'm telling God, but I was like, but Lord, I know you've done it in the past. I know that you called me to this. I know you're faithful, Lord. I know that you are strong. I know that you have the keys to any bank. Any bank. So I'm going to trust you today. And what happens is a peace comes in my life. And I start preparing for next Sunday. See, I'm doing it. You got to jump into it. You got to, you got to do it. And you're going to feel God's peace and understanding in your life. You know, when I, when I first noticed this, <clears throat> um, I had a friend, he was a missionary. When we started going to India, his name was Samson. And Samson helped open the Jeevan Anan home for girls. And the first year we went there, we were there talking, and Samson is telling us this story of when he was a missionary for Mercy Ships, and him and his friend went to the Philippines, and they went out, and they started just evangelizing on the street. So they started just to talk to people. They weren't yelling from a corner. They weren't throwing tracks at people. All they were doing was engaging people, talking to them, getting to know them, and just sharing the gospel with them, just sharing their faith with them. And they came across this guy that didn't like that. So the guy went, grabbed some of his friends, and they came back with bamboo sticks. And they just began to wail on him. And they just beat Samson and his friend. And as Samson is telling this story, he's kind of giggling a little bit. This was crazy. And they're like, man, we were sharing. And I was like, "I was like, Samson, didn't that hurt? Like, they're beating you down with bamboo sticks. And they said they beat them until they got up and ran off. They just kept going. And I remember what he told me. Like, it was etched in my mind. He's like, Ricky. I'm going to see if I can talk like him, because I can hear him. He's like, you know, in those very moments, God's grace is on top of you. And I was like, that was it? He's like, yes, yes, you don't feel any pain at all. God's grace is, covers you right then and there. Man, I, I'm telling you, etched in my mind. And he's telling us, he's like, man, when you step into that realm, of faithfulness and you begin to suffer for it and you begin to really engage not just the peace of God covers you but his grace covers you and he even so he's like man you don't feel any pain he said even when they got back on the ship and they're they're kind of like dressing their wounds a little bit they had little cuts here and there he said that they were talking about it and they were like laughing about it they were like, yeah, man, that guy was hitting me. It didn't even hurt. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? But then I read a text like this, and I was like, wow. Because it, trans- it transcends any type of peace that you and I could ever understand. We don't know. And I started thinking, like, man, Lord, I, I want to experience that. I don't know about you guys. I want to experience that. I want to experience that, like, hurricane of a storm that hits my life and I just want to be there like this is great when are we going to go eat like I want to experience that but that only comes when you decide to do what the Lord has called you to engage in him to, to send your anxiety to him let his peace fall on your life and let it rain in you it's pretty incredible so as we finish um, four quick things. I just want to leave you with four quick thoughts and then we'll dismiss. So, number one, when it comes to anxiety, just breathe. Take a deep breath, just breathe. And when you breathe in, Jesus, you exhale hope. Sometimes we're so stressed out, we're like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do this? Just take a deep breath. Go to the Lord in prayer and petition. And in all thanksgiving, because when you breathe in Christ, you exhale hope. Number two. Go to the next one. When, trigger fear, when, when fear triggers you, which is going to happen to us. We're, we're all human. There's going to be some things that trigger our life, and anxiety is going to come like a tidal wave, and it's going to knock us out. You have two choices. You could either be in despair, or you could pray. Despair or prayer. Which one am I going to choose? And make sure you choose wisely. Make sure you choose wisely. Jesus is offering you a way out of your anxiety. He says, Give it to me, exchange it for my peace, and I will give you a peace that transcends all understanding. Choose wisely. Number three, anxiety cannot share space with a heart of gratitude. Anxiety cannot share the same space. With a heart of gratitude. I know there's some times in our lives where we have these awkward relationships with people. Whether it is an ex girlfriend, an ex family member, an ex husband, an ex boss, whatever it is. And there's times when you decide to go into that room and you see that person, and what's your inclination? I'm out. Like we, don't, we don't want to share the same space because we know it's bad for us. Now, if you're emotionally stable and you can handle it, go for it. But for some people, you cannot have that same, you cannot be in the same vicinity with what hurt you in the past. So go back one. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. So whenever you have a heart of gratitude, whenever you have a heart of gratitude, anxiety walks in and you're 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 talking about Jesus so much, they're like, nah, I can't, I'm out. And if it chooses to push its way through in your life, what do you have? You have that bouncer. You have that Holy Spirit that's standing right there. That's like, oh, you're going to fight through? Oh, you're not going to get by me. You don't belong here, right? And that peace will push it out. It sends it out. Sometimes it takes it, and it throws it out. Sometimes it has to be done pretty drastically in order to get the point across. And then the last thing I'll say is that the more that you engage in your faith, the more peace you will find in your life. The more that you walk in your faith, the more that you say, Lord, I'm just going to walk in obedience to you, whether that's in giving, whether that's in doing, I'm going to be obedient to you. And the more that you walk In your faith, the more that you, like, you're like, God, I'm freaking out right now, but I'm going to do it because you told me to do it, the more it's amazing how that peace falls on you. And sometimes when we do things that scare us, it actually bubbles up anxiety inside of us. It kind of stirs it up. It makes it, like, harder. But honestly, when it's things of the Lord, I feel like sometimes he does that not to press you but also but to shape you and what he wants you to become so if you engage in your faith more the more peace you're going to find in your heart and what I've noticed is that the more that I talk about Jesus the smaller my problems get so when I start talking about Christ and I feel like I'm trying to control it all I give him the control and one thing at a time starts falling off my plate Because he could hold it. He could do it. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much because you are faithful to us. Father, we thank you because you're good. So, Lord, I pray, God, that whenever we feel anxious, whenever we feel worrisome, whenever we feel fearful, I pray that you um, help us to trust you, help us to pray to you, help us to be honest with you, Lord. Help us to remind you of how great you are. And, Lord, help us to keep ourselves out of the center. So, Lord, we trust you. We walk in this faith, Lord, and we thank you because you're good to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.